Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin L. Jackson presenting Digital Transformers. I'm serving as your host today from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Today, we're going to be talking with Trina Celeste, the CEO of Risenex, about a new program aimed at increasing the number of diverse technical talent at some major corporations that you've heard of. Uh, but first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Digital Names, by Total Network Services. Have you been hearing about people that are losing millions of dollars in crypto assets simply because they lost their keys? Well, Digital Names is a simple but valuable way for changing your complex public wallet key to a simple human readable and rememberable name or phrase. Secure your digital name before anyone else does by going to digitalnames.io. A quick programming note before we get started. Digital Transformers is now distributed globally through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. If you enjoy today's conversation, be sure to find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. So now let's welcome Trina. So uh, Trina, where are you today? I'm just south of Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, wow, Salt Lake. I mean, I, uh, I've been to Salt Lake three or four times. One time I went up to uh, the mountains actually uh, fell, I mean, skied. <laughs> <laughs> That's all part of the fun. That's all if, part if, of the fun. If you're fun. not wrecking, you're not trying. That's, that's <laughs> it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So uh, please introduce yourself and rise next. Great. Thank you so much for having me here today. Ex excited to be on the show. So I've been in the tech industry for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I, I did my computer science uh, degree many, many years ago and and uh, have loved being in the tech space. And throughout my career had always been looking around and going, where are all the women? Where's all the diversity? Why, why do we have this problem? Um, and so it's been this lifelong journey of mine, even though I've had this amazing career in tech, I realized that even as I got to be an executive within the tech industry. So mm -hmm. I, I worked at companies like Oracle and eBay, large enterprise, and as I was trying to hire, I was getting frustrated myself saying, I'm, I'm looking for diverse talent. Why can't I find it? And at the same time, I was having all these challenges or, or opportunities where individuals and women were coming to me and saying, Trina, I want again, show me how. Hmm. And I'm like, there's, there's a disconnect here. Why do, we why do we say there's not enough talent? We can't find them. And at the same time, we've got people coming and knocking and saying, just help me out a little bit. How do I do it? Explain it to me. We've got this really complicated industry that, you know, we don't just call it technology. We cut it in half and call it tech and think everybody understands what it means or how to get into it. Right. And so I founded Rise Next in 2018 to help consult uh, on diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
as a core, but also helping get more diversity into the workforce. So we've really become uh, the experts in diversity in the workforce here in Utah. Uh, one of the programs that we launched is called Tech Moms, and we help women transition into the tech industry because there's this huge underutilized, uh, untapped workforce that are highly educated. It might be in physics or finance, or I've had CSI agents, I have right. pyrotechnics, like you name it. I've had women come all the way from high school degrees to doctorates. They're just saying, show me how to get in the tech industry. And so we, we launched last fall and it grew so fast. We actually launched it as a 501c3 this year. Right. And it's, it's taking off yesterday. I think uh, we had, I think we we're up to like 30 applicants yesterday. Like there's just this huge demand for okay. showing us how, you know, okay. well, hold it, hold it. before you go yeah. further though, um, something just, just jumped in my mind. You are, yeah. you are, you are very successful tech executive. You were working at Oracle. You said, yeah. I mean, you're, uh, okay, I know your bank account's not shabby if that was the case. So <laughs> how did you get involved with professional re-education? I mean, education oh, yeah. is not seen as a, quote, profitable, very profitable uh, oh, no. math. No, it's not a math decision. <laughs> oh, decision of the heart, not of the brain. It is a, a passion of, of mm-hmm. mine, definitely, right? And it grew so fast. Fast and there was so much that I was just like, you know what, I'm going to take a time out from a corporate standpoint. I have to focus in this area. And, you know, how do I build a consulting agency to continue? So, you know, it is Rise Next is a for profit agency, okay. right? So that is for profit. Tech Moms is a nonprofit. So, yeah, it was a big, a big decision to go, okay, I'm going to cut the golden handcuffs and, and uh, <laughs> like right. that salary trying to walk away from that is not an easy thing to do for sure. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. And, and you were talking about tech moms. You already got 30 um, applicants for a new class. I recently saw oh, that was just yesterday. Yeah. Just, oh, in one day. In one day. Yeah. So we, We've actually graduated over 80 women since last fall. We ran six cohorts this last in the middle of COVID, by the way, which is Jeez. not an easy thing to do. No. <laughs> we did it. We did it midst COVID uh, and uh, did the social spacing and temperature checks and the whole deal mm-hmm. to get them in uh, and uh, very successful. We have women working at, you know, uh, tech companies, their technical support, their technical sales. We've got individuals that have got moved into um, moved into uh, full stack development roles, junior development roles. One of, you know, it's just amazing to see what happens because it's not just career transitioning that we're doing. We're doing life transformations and, and seeing complete lives change just by this shift into tech roles and, right. and moving forward. It's, it's an incredible process to watch. Well, you know, I, I recently saw a video about the recent a recent graduating class. In fact, I'm going to put the link um, in the uh, show notes so our audience can take a look at it. But Wonderful. some of the faces I saw on those women, can you tell me more about that? Not just the, you know, the brain part, but what about the heart? How did you feel? Oh, yeah. it, it's it's <laughs> like you're, I call it, I, I get to have Christmas every day. That's wow. what it's like. I get to unwrap these boxes that have been wrapped in like 
societal norms or what I should do or shouldn't do. And it's just like this limiting thing. And, and once you kind of unravel that, you get to open it up and see what's inside. And it's so exciting. (laughs) It's like every individual has this unique gift that they can bring to the tech industry. That's just been waiting and dormant. And as the women go through this, it's like they find themselves again. That's what some of the women have said. It's like, something that was laying dormant that I didn't get to utilize for so long was now I found it. I get to use that. And we've worked with women that just, like I said, from all cultures, all backgrounds, all education levels, all experiences. But I have to say the one thing is they all find their path. They all find a new path uh, through this program. And I was a there was a couple examples. One woman um, was in poverty. Mm-hmm. She had been in the poverty cycle, grown up in that for quite some time. She had two children with extreme autism and um, had gone through pretty severe uh, domestic violence situation. I'm like, just one whammy after another for this woman, just right. really bad situation. And she went through the program this last spring she beat out 500 applicants to one of the tech top tech schools here in Utah called V school, uh, and mm. received a full ride scholarship and is now becoming a full stack developer. Wow. So, you know, this is happening within a short time frame where these transitions are happening. It, and that's why we call it fast track. It's, it's quick. Right. And really what we found is that each one of these stories you know, return to work moms or uh, going into now having internships and as a junior web developer in less than six months. And, you know, you think about a year or two years down the road, what this is going to do to our pipelines, tapping into this underserved resource that we've had sitting dormant for so long. Well, I mean, I have two questions with that. The first is from a societal point of view, you know, women are caregivers and they are they are told or raised to care for others before they care for themselves. Um, And I can see how this could be a a big barrier to even considering your your program. How how does that play out? Yeah, so we, the first day uh, of class, we really work on a lot of those internal barriers. Right. The first day of class, I'm like, you did the hardest part. You showed up because a lot of women don't or others, not just women. Right. Just why aren't people showing up? And it's removing that barrier or thought that that's not me, that's somebody else and removing that. And really, it's that see it. You can be it. So we bring in a lot of different professionals and different um, in all of these roles as they go through the course. So they can go, oh, she did it. I can do it because we don't have those examples growing up very often. And so the more we we see this, this is one of the reasons why the economic and social impacts are so high is because now their children are going to see them and they're going to start changing the future, right? Exponentially. But really it does start with those, removing those barriers of um, why I should be in this and that I do belong and that I'm wanted. That's another big part of it. We finished our graduation last fall, and I was really surprised. We we do a graduation. We have all the women build websites. They get up, they present what they've done, what they've learned. And one of the things that uh, some of the women were saying repeatedly was, I felt guilty. I wow. felt guilty for taking the time to put put into coding. 
and coding themselves because we're trained to always give to everybody else all the time. And it, there's this, this mom guilt thing is so real and it's so heavy. Um, and so trying to, I got up and I wrote guilt on the board and I put a big old X <laughs> through it. And I'm like, knock it off. Like you have no reason to feel guilty for investing in yourself. There is no reason why you shouldn't be investing and building and building a future career and doing what you want to do. In addition, you can still care for people, right? It's just right. It's a way of caring. It's a big, big mind shift. Yeah, it's, it's a way of caring, actually, I believe. I mean, if you don't care for yourself, how can you care for others? Right. And and that it, it actually, their, their kids are being influenced by this, right? They're mm-hmm. looking at them and saying, well, my mom is investing in herself and she's learning and she's growing. I, you know, I should be doing that. It's an example and it provides opportunities that weren't there before. Oh yeah. This, this is really powerful, but, uh, but now I guess you're, you're broadening your program. You mentioned about uh, fast track, but now you're taking it out to corporate America. You're, 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 yeah. you know, so how does tech moms relate to this new fast track to empowerment initiative that you just started. Yeah. As we started to work with each of the women graduating the program and they're all excited, they're ready to go. They're getting into higher education. They're continuing their skill sets, but they all need work. Right. And they were struggling to find the opportunities in corporate America to provide them those opportunities to now get in. And so as we move tech moms to a 501 C3, they really still are focused on the bridging, but they aren't a placement agency. And they're not working with companies to create programs that would allow these doors to be opened. Mm. So, you know, the way I would explain it, uh, the work that I do at Rise Next really helps with opening doors and providing access, but also helping companies shut the back door because what's happening is even if we get them in, they haven't prepared the corporate landscape for diversity and being able to work with women or uh, minorities. And so they're losing them. And right now, the tech industry has this workforce shortage. People are poaching from all over. And so you really have to be conscientious at the beginning of how we're opening the door, who we're opening it to, and then closing the back door so people aren't leaving. And so the programs that we're putting together help in getting the diverse candidates in. So from a recruiting and sourcing standpoint, we're sourcing candidates. We help with resume reviews. We do uh, interview prep and coaching so that they're putting their best foot forward as they come in the door. And then also working with the organizations to provide uh, DEI education to their management teams and work teams so that they understand the things that might be limiting or creating an attrition issue within their Mm -hmm. culture as they bring people in. And then we really help make sure that there's a career laddering uh, definition as they come on, because that really does help with retention. So as you come on, you go, I know what my job is, but the biggest thing that we really help is on the job skills training. So we've been working with companies uh, like Walmart uh, and Zions Bank, and we're we're having conversations with a a lot of different um, large companies that are looking at how can we do this differently? How do we shift? And one of the biggest ways and where the fast track part comes in is really providing on the job skills training because we know that, especially in some of these roles, you don't need a four-year degree necessarily. And 
it could be that you need like a certificate and then some on the job experience and creating these entry points for then building those resources as they go. And you're, you're then retaining because you've invested in those people, their loyalty is going to be higher. You're going to get higher retention rates. Well, one of the things I'm, I'm really glad to hear is, I mean, you open the door, that's great. But if the environment at the organization is not conducive or, or not inclusive, closing the back door just creates a prison, right? Well, that's true. well they're going to leave. That's what I mean. They're going to leave. That door is still open. If you don't have a toxic environment, they're going to be gone. So yeah. part of that is creating, shutting the door is creating an inclusive environment. Great, great. And you mentioned another thing that I've heard before that many HR professionals complain that there are just not enough diverse applicants to, to the positions that they have available. And it maybe you are, I guess, verifying that because your, your program is trying to create more diverse applicants, or is that true? Um, are there just no diverse applicants out there? What's what's the what's the deal here? There are diverse applicants. Mm-hmm. It's just how we source for them sometimes is um, I, I'll give a I'll give an example. Those are always okay. yeah, the best. So I, I was talking to a client. They were talking about how they had uh, set quotas for hiring for diversity. Um, and that didn't work. We had to get the inclusion part of it. But then we they said we really started to look at our job descriptions and where we were posting at. And they made just some slight adjustments in the job posting itself, talking about how they were working towards nobody's perfect, right? None of us are going to be perfect at this, but the fact that they were invested in saying, look, we want to really create an inclusive environment. We're invested in this. We want diversity. They included some of that information in their job description. And they're, mm-hmm. I think they said they were like had over 60% diverse applicants. So it's, some of it is just how we present and how, where we're sourcing makes a big difference in how we're getting it. And so that's one piece of it, right? It's not mm-hmm. like we do one thing and it all goes away or else this would have been solved a long time ago. But then also on the other side, we have to start investing into um, different diverse pipelines, creating mentorship programs. Uh, we've started working with a Black Technology Mentorship Program where they're actually educating and helping mentor more Black technologists mm-hmm. and building pipelines with them and uh, work with here in Utah, we have a big tech hub and we have Silicon Slopes and they have a Latino organization that we're working very closely with that has over 15,000 members. Um, and so they're there. It's just, you've got to put all these pieces in place. The mentoring needs to be there. The support needs to be there. They need to know they're wanted. Uh, some of this, I had a really heartbreaking conversation with one of the, we ran a uh, Tech Moms Latinas group. Mm-hmm. And one of the women raised her hand and she's like, well, Trina, are we even going to be wanted? It just, mm-hmm. that, that, because there's such a, unfortunately, we the bro culture or the tech culture has made people feel like they don't belong. And so they don't even try to get in, in the first place. And we've got to change that, right? We've got to shift what it is we're doing and, and trying to say, yes, you're wanted. Let me help support you. Give me just a little bit of support and, and walk me through what it is to move into the tech industry and and just knowing they're wanted is is a great way to start well 
if you observe the tech industry, um, they don't demonstrate a want. I mean, I'm working on another project called Fun Black Tech. And they have found that, in fact, the, the VC market uh, is almost entirely white. There's a, a few uh, minority or diverse VCs out there. But all of the VC money goes to non-diverse entrepreneurs. In fact, even the U.S. government, they have a small business innovative research program that gives away tens of millions of dollars to people that just have an idea to figure out if it can work. And less than one half of 1% of that money from the government actually goes to black technologists. There seems to be a, a thought that black technologists don't exist. Yeah. So um, do you see your initiative uh, as something that can even address that challenge? Yeah, and we, we are working on it. I mean, we're very intentional about working with our Black Chamber here and our Latino community, mm-hmm. uh, just making sure that they're part of it. And and like I said, we're pulling people in and saying, you're wanted, show up, come, you know, we're, we want you to be part of this. I think there is uh, a lot more, the more conversations we have, the more vocal we can be. I think people are starting to go, oh yeah, I have, what does my network look like? Mm. Right. Uh. What does, what, who am I investing in? Who am I hiring? It's like that, that aha moment I even went through, right. There was a moment where somebody said, Hey, look at your network. How diverse is your network? And I had to intentionally go, Oh shoot. I don't have a very diverse network. I got to do that. <laughs> right, right? right. Like, had to be very intentional about it. Um, and so I think as, as we have that kind of awareness and the more we're, we're calling that out, cause there's no judgment in it. It's just like, we have to be intentional about m- what choices we're making and who we're working with mm-hmm. and who we're bringing along with us. And there's plenty of opportunity for mentoring and engaging and promoting others. It, it's just takes, takes some intentionality behind it. So these big companies, I mean, you mentioned a huge company with, with Walmart, but many would say that oh, it's just lip service. They don't really invest. You know, they say they want diversity, but when it comes down to it, you know, they can do without. How have you seen the corporate world? Have they embraced what you're doing or is it just fighting every step of the way? Uh, it it varies. I think a, there is a lot of money being put into it. There was $8 billion last year spent on DEI education. Wow. How we use that is the issue, right? Because you can't just stop at awareness. We can't just stop and say, okay, I'm aware, but then not do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, that was just on education. You think about what if I were to take that same amount and start applying it in, in the action piece? Right. How do we move from awareness to action? And that's really a lot of the, the fundamental work that we're doing at Rise Next is helping organizations build DEI strategies, how to actually put business principles and strategic principles behind their DEI execution and not just thinking about, you know, the numbers, because we know that doesn't work. It's it's end to end. You have to think about it comprehensively. And so there is money out there. People are putting um 
resources behind it. I think the challenge that I'm seeing as well as in the the small to medium sized businesses is they don't have that funding and they're running as fast as they can to be able to make a difference. And so if you don't start your company, let's say you're in a startup and you don't start with intentionality at the beginning, you're going to get down the road and be trying to play makeup because you've hired maybe an, an organization that all looks and acts like you and it's not diverse and you're going to start having those type of cultural challenges and the innovation loss and profitability loss that comes because you didn't start that way. And there's some easy steps like to just start working, right? It's Mm -hmm. never a one and done. So I think all the way from small to large business, there is room for growth in this area and there's always work to be done. So companies are actually using the program. So you're okay. Uh, that's that's very refreshing, and and you mentioned about like closing that back door so people don't leave. Um, yeah. I want to pull on on that. You know how how does a diverse environment help employee retention? But another thing that maybe people don't think about is the diversity of generations. I mean. Uh, I'm a baby boomer. You have millennials, Gen X's. Uh, I mean, uh, it goes. That's a diverse pool as well. It, yeah. Is, is, is that a um, area of diversity that you can work across as well? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. I kind of we always talk about leadership development training and like getting comfortable being uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. then it's like with DEI, no, like. That's too uncomfortable for me, right? But it's such a key piece. It's like you have to get uncomfortable. You have to like get outside of your your comfort zone, and and then it gets easier. It's just the same thing with any kind of leadership development. And being a leader is learning how to lead diverse populations, diverse groups, diverse ages. And I had uh, you know another couple stories of not just women or minorities, but yes, age is a big barrier because um, we had a woman that was an executive at a bank. So finance, you think about somebody that has finance and tech experience, how valuable that is, but she was in her fifties and feeling like an organization wouldn't hire her because of her age. Mm. And um, I had a conversation with her. She's like, she called me. She's like, do I really do this? Give up my executive career at this bank to really move into tech. What should I do? She's like, you know, I'm in my fifties. Are they going to ignore me? And I'm like, just stop for a minute. Forget what anybody else is going to say. And what would you do if, if nothing else was out there and it was just clear field, no barriers, no bias, no anything, what would you do? And she's like, I've always wanted to be an engineer. And she did it. She stuck with the program. She's now a technical program manager at a tech company here called MX. And she made the transition. And it was just those, again, the internal barriers that are keeping people from entering because they think there's going to be bias. We got to, we got to just, again, not limit or tell people we want you regardless of your age, your race, ethnicity, gender, right? Just, we want you. And, and the shortage would go away if, if we were to do that. Well, I know I was, I, I did a Twitter chat on DEI uh, recently. And one of the things that um, was highlighted is the fact that business is in an environment of continual and accelerating change. And that having a diverse staff enables the business to mm-hmm. deal 
with that change in a more cost-effective and rapid manner. Yep. Uh, is this part of your approach to these large companies? Yeah, growth and profitability is is definitely a, a reason for investing in this space. That's why the dollars are being put there is because they know it does impact their bottom line. Mm-hmm. So creativity loss, right? The innovation loss that might be there if you're not bringing diverse perspectives. You think about your, I was working with Overstock. So we, I did a, um, I actually wrote an article for them regarding how they were uh, working with the women within their organization, they're actually transitioning women from within their various other business units into tech and supporting and upskilling and growing oh, from that's the side, that's right? Yeah. And so you have, you're, you're pulling diversity into tech from within your own company, which is like, seems like a, a brilliant thing. And I can tell you their retention, every single one of them had been over there eight to 15 years. So retention is like, they know that they're being invested in right. and they're just, it's, just recognizing that you need to invest in all aspects of pulling people through the pipeline. Wow, you are enlightening. <laughs> you really are. So uh, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of the time we have, Trina. I want to talk to you more, but um, how could my audience reach out to you? Because I'm sure they want to learn more as well. Yeah, our website is risenext, R-I-Z-E-N-E-X-T dot com. Uh, also, feel free to email me. I'm, uh, I'll am i get to everybody. It's Trina, T-R-I-N-A, at risenext.com. And looking forward to talking to everyone on this. I, like I said, the more voices we have, the better. Well, I think your email box is going to get filled up. <laughs> <laughs> But on that note, um, I think we're going to have to uh, move on. But please be sure to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership that we have at supplychainnow.com. And you can find us and subscribe wherever you go, wherever you get your podcast. So on behalf of the entire team here at Supply Chain Now, this is Kevin L. Jackson wishing all of our listeners a bright and transformational future. We'll see you next time on Digital Transformers. So thank you, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.